Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's part of Australia Month, and we're delving into films made by Australians, for Australians, and probably other people too. Uh, We have two guests, as always, to join us to uh, review the film in question. This week's film, Muriel's Wedding. A bit of an Australian classic that is turning 25 years old. Joining me to review, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hey, Stephen. It's been so long. It has. Well, I mean, for the people listening at home, it's been more than a month. But for uh, the purposes of me pre-recording a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) before I go away, it's been a couple of days since Superman. Uh, Excellent. How have you been... uh, in, in the month between Superman and now. <laughs> um, hopefully I will have worked a lot and mm-hmm. so I've been quite busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will have been starting work with a fringe show with Yuri Yakin, our, our local Indigenous theatre company. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. You have seen Muriel's Wedding. Yes. I was saying to you earlier, I actually can't remember the first time I've watched this. It's just sort of always always been there i mm. think i i think i probably watched it reasonably soon after it came out because yeah i would have well maybe a couple of years after it came out probably on like a movie night that my family had done mm. um but i know the last time i watched it was uh probably about five years ago right when i made my boyfriend who you know who is like he he did a film degree he did and he'd I never seen it Okay, well, I mean, I have to admit, I also haven't seen Muriel's Wedding, so you know, I'll be. But you've got the you've got the backup of you're not Australian. That's like, yes, true. you've been here for a long time. I have, but that's fair. That's yeah. fair. So, what about Muriel's Wedding? Um, is it that you that you like or you, you enjoy? Um, it's very relatable in many different ways. Um, it's I I kind of put the castle Muriel's Wedding and Priscilla in the same sort of realm. Right. Um, like, I think I was saying to you the other day that it feels like... Sorry, and Strictly Ballroom. It feels like Strictly Ballroom and Muriel's Wedding were made by the same people, even though I'm pretty sure there is no one connected except maybe, you know, the the crew and stuff. And because, Bill Hunter, um, who's, oh, who's in both. But, but yeah. he's, he's like a... I don't know if he had much creative control in that No, respect. but he's also just a, a regular feature in so many different films. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Well, joining us as our guest who hasn't seen the film and making his debut on the Cinema Catch-Up Club, it's Geordie Crawley. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm filled with joy. Breaking, ready for Muriel's wedding. We're breaking your podcast virginity. I think I've been on a podcast before, well, this, but I haven't been on podcast. the Catch-Up Club, the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast yeah. before. Yeah. And I've never been more excited 
in my entire life. You're just jittering with joy, as you, you just said. The audience can't see it, but my eyes are darting around the room. Mm-hmm. My hand can't keep still. And I'm practically... My palms are leaving marks on my legs. They're so sweaty. Well, uh, Geordie, aside from being excited, um, who are you and what do you do? Um... My name's Geordie Crawley. I'm an emerging theatre maker here in Perth. Uh, I'm a member of the Big Hoo-Ha, along with Stephen. Uh, uh, yeah, I wrote and directed Hivemind earlier this year, Busboy at Fringe a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, I do all sorts of fun stuff. So local theatre busybody and uh, bicycle rider. I'd say busybody is almost too apt in the description <laughs> of me, considering the amount of gossip that I'm... <laughs> Constantly you, a theatre person? Me? Gossiping? Gossiping? Why, this is unheard of. Mm. A busy buzzy. And yes, I buy quite a lot as well. So, Jordy, you have never seen Muriel's Wedding. I've never seen Muriel's Wedding. What no. are you expecting? Joy. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's a very joyous film. Mm. Um, I'm expecting Tony Collette to give the third best performance of her career after Clock Watchers and Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, in the United States of time, I'm expecting her to give a classic Tony Collette performance okay. in that it will be great and I'll love her in it. Um, it's her first film performance. Oh, I can't She wait. actually left NIDA to do this. Well, I've heard of people leaving NIDA for a lot less. <laughs> yeah. um, theatrical busybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, with all that said and done, shall we watch Muriel's Wedding? I've never been more excited Dancing for a movie about queen. a mural. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. All right, for those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs, get out your ABBA soundtracks, and prepare to say, You're terrible, Muriel, as we watch Muriel's Wedding. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Muriel's Wedding. Oh, I'm all tired from it now. <laughs> yes, it was a it was quite the event. I'm joined uh, once again by Katrina and Geordie. Hello, Stephen. Geordie, what did you think of Muriel's Wedding? I think it is so beautiful and joyous. It's kind of given me a lot to chew on. I think it's so interesting that it doesn't end with a wedding. I think that's fascinating. Mm. Um, it's fantastic that it didn't end with a wedding. Yeah, it almost like... Yeah, it doesn't need to justify like a woman being married to be happy, essentially. Mm. She yeah, can be well, like if, on her own. If it, did, if it did end with a wedding, it would completely go against, I think, the entire message of the yeah. film. Yeah, and I suppose the rec- having the wedding as almost the the sort of two thirds of the way through uh, big moment and using it as the thing that causes a rift between Muriel and pretty much every other facet of her life, uh, mm. particularly Rhonda. I think it's really interesting that um, we see the fallout of that and we see 
the wedding is essentially just giving someone everything that they want. It's more one of those tales where it's yeah, you know, yeah. you know, King Midas gets to turn everything to gold, yeah. and then he learns Be careful that that's what a problem. You wish for. Yeah, it's it's really interesting in in that sense. Uh, Katrina, you last watched this about about five years five ago. Years ago. May, may have been less. Yes. Uh, yeah. How how did it stand up for you this time? Oh, it's this. It's the same. I love it, and mm. just watching it, particularly sitting sitting here with a couple of people who haven't seen it and with Ellen mm-hmm. who got to watch it with us. Um, it is like, oh, that's right. My family did that. And I'm pretty sure my mum wore that dress and we did, my family did that sort of thing. Mm. And that hairstyle my aunt still has <laughs> because, you know, one hairstyle from the 90s, it still works. Mm. Hey, if it works, uh, keep yeah. it. I mean, I, that's the thing I always quite like about these sorts of, um, I suppose, pre-2000 films mm. uh, for me, as someone who moved here in the early noughties, is that it, it's like getting a little glimpse. Uh, glimpse? That's not a word. Glimpse. It's like getting a little glimpse into what came um, what came before and, yeah. you know, seeing the things which get pointed out, like Ellen pointing out, oh, we have that lamp somewhere or, you know, the, the water bed. Had and, that microwave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she... she identified with that microwave so strongly it was amazing it was the most relatable character in the film for her <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it's still making hot food oh, 20 years day. later still making a good cup of tea yeah god that was that was quite bad even even me who like back back in the day when because i only started drinking tea like when i was at about uni because my parents not big tea drinkers i tried to get into instant coffee because my dad drank it all the time couldn't do that and even I knew that was a bad idea to make a cup mm. of tea that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the film itself, uh, we're following uh, Muriel Hislop or Mariel Hislop. Or Heslop. Heslop. Sorry, Heslop. Heslop yes. Um, as uh, she is this really sad character, really, mm. really sad sort of living in essentially her, her bedroom, dreaming of weddings. In I don't Abba. think she realises how sad she is at the beginning of the film yeah, either. It's, mm. it's, she's just stuck in this, like, rut of, like, mm. arrested development psychologically. Yeah. I think she realises to some extent, but on, but not... Not exactly not, not, how not, not, happy not she fully, could be. Not fully aware. Mm. Like, yeah. she is a... I think I think maybe she's of the type of person that she she knows that she's sad and she knows that she she could change her life quite easily, um, but she doesn't know how and partly because so she just sort of crams it to the side. Yeah, and yeah. we we meet her at a wedding. We mm. you know we start the film at a wedding, a, a beautifully what I'm assuming is typical Australian wedding where. Uh, everyone's sort of arguing and the groom is sleeping with somebody else within a couple of minutes. Like, it's... Um, I'd love the dreadlocks that the groom had. What was his name? Chuck? Chuck. He Chuck. didn't have dreadlocks. He had he had curly surface hair. Uh, he was he was typical surfer. Okay, well, whatever that hairstyle is, it's it was just beautiful. I, I really loved how Muriel herself was dressed in yeah. all the, the leopard spot <laughs> kind of look. And uh, it's very quickly... Um, detained by the authorities because the um the, the store inspector yeah. is uh, is lurking and um says she didn't buy that and we get introduced to this dysfunctional heslop family um mm. where you've got bill who uh you know could have been in parliament or could have been there he's a local council member mm. um her mum betty who is just very put upon and then these probably suffering from depression i would say just a bit yeah i mean just that first shot where she's just stood in the kitchen just sort of staring out into mm. space um and they go mom make dad a tea yeah that kind of thing yeah and and then these three other heslop kids who are all just sort of lounging about on mm. the doll 
a bit like uh, Muriel. Kind yeah. of, they're all just stunted. They're in this this arrested development, like you say. Um, and what I really like is that Muriel, her her sort of only escape is this habit for lying that she's got. But she uses that to empower herself when she gets the access to that blank check. Not mm. just that, but also her other escape is her like little friendship group and even they hate her yeah yeah they try and disown her very quick although can i say i love that friendship group i mean i, mean, yeah. I hated them they're but awful. i love the performance yeah. they're like joyously they're yeah. like almost like ursula from the little mermaid where yeah. like you can't help but love how bad they are yeah. yeah i just loved all the discussions and it's it, you know i i loved how adult <laughs> this film got but without being vulgar i guess yeah, or I weighty forgot, i forgot how adult this film like was because I probably watched this in primary school and yeah. my parents, oh, wow. yeah, my parents were reasonably religious. Like mm. I got banned from watching The Simpsons because I, because I apparently swore mm. after watching one, an episode. Holy cow, man! No, I said crap. Sounds like they need to eat your shorts. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. but they, but they'll, they. I'm pretty sure they let me watch this. Yeah. I didn't and, sneak in. You know, and they were talking about the fact that, that Chuck had obviously been cheating because he had lipstick mm. on his dick, you know, things like yeah. that. It was just, it was, I, I really, to be honest, the acting across this whole film is top notch. Yeah. Um, I think the really interesting thing about all of the performances in this movie is that none of them are like that true, like, naturalism. They mm. all are just like camped up turned up mm. just like that little bit extra yeah but at and the same time there is such subtlety oh there is such authentic like uh like authenticity throughout this movie like like tony collette's performance in this is so mm. genuine and beautiful yeah. but at the same time there is like a level of like self-awareness and mm. camp and like real like stylistic thought that's gone into this movie yeah. that I think also exists in things like The Castle. Well, and... that was the thing I was going to connect it to is it, this film was re- reminding me a lot of The Castle and a lot of Strictly Ballroom, as you were yeah. saying in the intro section, Katrina. It's it's that sort of very... Pauper Spit is the centre of the world for so many of these characters and we know it's not the centre of the world in any way. Mm. Um, and we see that Muriel gets out of that when she goes to Sydney, City of Brides, and, um, and learns learns that there is more to the world than Pauper's Spit. And when she returns, though, you've got all these other characters who are just stuck in this sort of whirling miasma of mediocrity and trying to thrive within it. You've got Bill, who's, you know, a corrupt local politician who's, like, got these um, Japanese investors in. He kind of reminds me of the villain, the dad villain in Round the Twist. Yeah, Howard Gribble. Yeah. Yeah, he is a he is a Howard Gribble. Mm. Well, he's gribbling up all over yeah. the place, um, yeah. always in a Chinese restaurant whenever it's an yeah. official business meeting, which is really quite funny. <laughs> I just really enjoyed that. Um, I I also I also really loved the the unstated nature of the fact that he was starting to have an affair with Deirdre. The oh no, he wasn't starting. That was a long okay. It was it, it was long established. Yeah, but for us as a viewer, it was mm. that it was that sort of. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, and then yeah. the fact that kept happening was just mm. even in Sydney. Yeah, it was so yeah. wonderfully done without ever being spe- stated out loud. Named, yeah, it was mm. fantastic. And then you've also got the fact that you know the the family are trapped um, because it's where Bill has to be, and he does not care for his family whatsoever. Um, and it's monstrous and awful in a lot of respects. And we really see how that affects them all, particularly Betty, as the film progresses. Mm. Um, and I really like that Muriel manages to have this awakening, this sort of breaking out when she goes to to Bali 
which um feel... no she goes to hibiscus island oh sorry hibiscus island sorry yeah. they were discussing barley um yeah goes to hibiscus island and gets to lie big i guess mm. and it's and starts to see that as something that works yeah but at the same time it's very tragic because this is so much this film is about the fact that she just hates who she is mm. and it's really really awful and the lie lets her engage in that yeah. fantasy mm. and I kind think, of get away with it i think it isn't so much the lie that means that she can break away and like make a new change the lie allows her to go to Hibiscus Island, but it's meeting Rhonda. Yeah. That that is the catalyst for the change. Um mm. I think I don't I don't think she quite realizes that lying isn't gonna help her later on by that time. Um, but she realizes that with Rhonda she can she has this this person to cling to mm. which she can help change her life. And also Rhonda is out there, you know, just just living her best life like she's living like there's no tomorrow which is mm. actually kind of appropriate doesn't she say she's having like a thousand final night like, like every that, night is like, her last yeah. night yeah as, yeah. As, as final a, flings. Uh, yeah it's yeah. a series of final flings for her yeah mm. and it's like and you know she's just living with this freedom like she's she's having a threesome with two american sailors and yeah. and loving every minute of it and um and obviously muriel is is seeing that and attracted to that and mm just starting to like be able to do things that she wants to do because she feels like she has that freedom like yeah. the 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 date with Bryce um and I thought Bryce was going to come back into this yeah, much more towards too. the end and I'm kind of I kind of like that he didn't I'm kind of in the same way that mm. we we were saying that it was nice that it didn't end on a wedding yeah that it didn't end with him like I being I was the one that always loved you longest and now we're going to get married mm. like I I liked that that wasn't really the case um I could imagine, though, like, if, if you did an epilogue, it would be she'd be meeting up with him and maybe going, hey, let's go out on a date. Like, actually putting herself forward, not just waiting for as to be... As Muriel, not as, as Muriel. Muriel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting seeing that sort of... Um, seeing how she changes over the course of the film um, and how she, in an ex- to an extent, grows up, does mm. a bit of what her father wanted her to do, um, although maybe not in the way that he intended. See, yeah. yeah. I was thinking this time around I was thinking actually I think the dad is probably suffering from the same thing that the entire family is is that he's stuck. I mean he's stuck in a very different way. Everybody in this movie is stuck and hmm. I think that's why like the phrase of the movie is you can't stop progress Yeah, because like Muriel and uh is like on this unstoppable journey essentially towards yeah. becoming her best self. And everybody else at a certain point gets stuck. Even Rachel Griffith's character gets stuck at the Rhonda. end. Rhonda gets stuck um, back in pauper spit. Yeah. And, like, needs Muriel to be a friend yeah. and redeem herself in order to for them to, like, keep progressing forward as, like, best friends. Yeah. Everybody in this movie is stuck in one way or another. Mm. Even, like, the... Um, the the swimmer David the, mm. David the South African swimmer mm. he's like stuck in this relationship that he doesn't want to be in either yeah. very clearly he's stuck in a situation where he's having to marry someone he's clearly not happy to be with mm. and I thought that was such a good clever way of like giving Muriel uh, what she wanted to then realize that it's not what she actually needed yeah um the idea of this arranged marriage um because because david who is south african needs to take part in the olympics and yeah. 
South ne- Africa. Needs, needs to get citizenship yeah. quick, basically. And I loved that. And I loved that it was this big sort of local celebrity wedding. Like, you've mm. got all the you know, ABC and 7 and 9, these TV channels there, and it's in the magazines. Yeah. Um, it's their local Princess Die wedding. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's directly and correlated I- via the videotapes that she watches. Yeah. Oh, and- I'd never noticed that. That yeah. makes sense. It's yeah. And it is really... Um, Really, I really liked what happened to Muriel and David, though, because after Muriel's mum dies, David actually shows some empathy towards her and actually try uh, makes a connection, which yeah. he wasn't doing at any point beforehand because it's just, this is a marriage of convenience, I need this, right, great, we're married, here's your room, here's he my even, room. He was very dismissive of her and even like even saying who... In front who, of her. Like, yeah, mm. who marries someone they don't know. Yeah. And she's like, well, you did. But he looks down upon her Mm. because of because what she she seems to be getting out of it. What I love about this movie, by the way, Mm. to jump off of that, is that characters in this movie keep saying the point of the scene, Mm. and I love it. Like at the beginning, Ros Hammond's seriously, I love it. Like Ros Hammond's character says, "You need to get some dignity, Muriel, Mm. or something like that." You don't your your problem, Muriel. She says it out loud. Your problem, Muriel, is that you don't have any dignity. Yeah, and then like he's asking her who marries someone that they don't know. Like Mm. characters in this movie keep stating like. Almost like the thematic premise of this act. Yeah, it's I, I kind of love it. Mm. Genuinely, I can't get mm. enough of it. Yeah, it's in it. I mean, one of the other things that strikes me about this film is this is a harsh film. Some of the some of the lines they they use, just like the harsh truth about the fact that things like Bill just not really caring Betty's died because yeah. he'd already moved yeah. on. And, you know, when the the telegram from uh, Bob Hawke, former Australian PM's read out, and he's just saying to his kids who are, like, grieving for their mum being dead. He's, and he's getting going, his son to look behind at the yeah. press to see whether they're writing it down or not. Yeah, and then saying, see, not many not many local politicians get Bob Hawke sending mm. a telegram. like that." And he's still on about it at the end of the film. Like, it's still something that even though he wrote to the office to yeah. ask for it. He's clinging to that yeah. to that idea that he's not worthless mm. but then it's also things like deirdre saying you know she made the ultimate sacrifice for this family oh, oh, that. yeah yeah you made that noise when we were watching it and it's, it's so cruel yeah. because it it almost shows that the character died in vain she finally did something worthwhile with her life yeah i think yeah. it is just like another like knife into like like this woman who clearly had a not a great life and already. i love how she's in there cleaning yeah like my my mum is particular is a particularly house proud woman. If she had died and someone had gone in there and cleaned, she would have been horrified. Mm. Should have come back from the dead. And she just, literally yeah. would have. And I know so many women who would be absolutely mortified that someone is coming in there and cleaning and saying that it's a tough job. I really loved the line. Yeah. I'm done in the bathroom. You were right about the cupboards. Like mm. it's just like, wow. Yeah, and it's and she's like the only people that seem to care are her kids, and even then, it's almost like they're just like we didn't do enough for her. We didn't realize that how much we depended on her. Like so yeah. the the revelation that she committed suicide yeah. is so tough. Yeah, to like watch because you're like, oh, she just like died of a heart attack. Like, mm. okay, I, I mean, feels like the writers put something kind of yeah. weird in there, and then. Oh, it was so sad. I, like, you see, I instinctively went to suicide when 
they said she died, and then they said heart attack, and I went weak. Not weak, but more. It was either like There's she she, she had lost everything to live for. Yeah. So it was, oh yeah, it was I've given up. So no, I yeah. get that, but I still think that if it had remained a heart attack, my thought would have been like, oh, the screenwriter wasn't very good at this point. Yeah, you could have thought of a better way to achieve mm. this. Yeah, but of course that didn't happen. And they did something great. Yeah, and I and I also love the fact that like Joan um, Muriel's sister is saying, "Dad's telling us to keep it quiet." Like he's mm. just constantly mm. worried about his image, even though he's resigned from the council. Pretty much, I think pretty much everyone in this film, except for the ones that, except by the end, Rhonda and our protagonists. Yeah, our yeah. protagonists yeah. care about how they are perceived. Hmm. It is it is really a, a film about thinking how people look on you and mm. how much time we waste doing that. Mm. One of the things I liked that sort of showed that message um, back in the Hibiscus Island section is the performance of Waterloo, mm. where, you know, Rhonda's this, like, super confident, you know, very, like, high-energy uh, high energy woman, and she's happy to get dressed up as one of the ABBA girls with yeah, Muriel. Because she's having fun. Yeah, and Muriel, as we... Th- yeah, you was commenting on Tony Collette's amazing performance. Her performance in that song where she starts off really awkward and then starts to enjoy it more By as, the end as of it, it is, like, going wild and fancy-free. Yeah. I want heard an interview it was um andrew denton was interviewing i think rachel griffith i can't remember which one he was interviewing he's interviewing either rachel griffiths or tony collette and the other was in the audience and they talked about that preparing for that scene how they both went away without any direction or anything like that and worked out the choreography and practiced and practiced so when they went and filmed it it was like these two little kids going we've practiced something oh yeah and and it was great and they were even you know mirroring the video clip and like moving the hair aside and it was just lovely and it was it's this thing which i think australian particularly australian 90s films do really well which is embrace the seams embrace the mm. tackiness it's it's this thing of like yeah things aren't aren't perfect you know so so what this the, that's not the point and um, mm. the point is in this case these two characters are having a really good time and they're making this connection which leads to their super strong friendship all of yeah. the female bodies and male bodies but more importantly the female bodies in this movie mm. was so like i felt in comparison to if you saw it today mm. the bodies felt like super realistic in com- like in mm. terms of what you'd see in like an Australian yeah. town, yeah. Versus like if this was to be remade in America, those th- like that little gang of women mm. would be like you know plastic surgery, pitch perfect, like in every single way. Yeah, I mean it was interesting that you know they were all you know essentially what you'd call the equivalent of like the stereotypical. Skinny they're the mean bimbo. girls. Yeah, they're the mean girls, and they were like you know slim. Ladies blonde, who were bleach blonde, yeah, but they but they'd done those like cosmetic things. There was the fake tan, yeah, the nails and things mm. like that. That was one of the things from those opening the opening shots of the the um, bouquet and all, Muriel trying to catch it and all these hands all with the same red nail and it was a little red nails. I was a little bit like the start of a horror film. I was <laughs> I was a bit scared of that at that point. And um, but yeah, but the the you're right. The body image. Um, Tony Collette um had to put on. A lot of weight. Did she put on weight for this? She did. It's oh, one of the tri- trivia points we'll get to later. Mm. She put on about 40 pounds. Yeah. To... What's that in kilos? Um, about 20 kilos. That's no small amount. Might be a bit 15? less. Yeah. About, like about that, yeah. Um, yeah, but even 15 is a reasonable And amount. she put it, put it on in seven weeks. Whoa. Like, yeah, she, she had to put it on and then obviously presumably lost it because she's uh, walking around like a like she is today. Like yeah. the... Um, and it's it. 
I think you're right though that physicality and seeing how how that worked and the only time we really saw anyone who was like oh yeah definitely sexy was sexy was was the, the male characters to an extent it was yeah. the swimmers the swimmers the, the sailors the yeah. um the 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 guy that they had reasons, you know the yeah. village people were there yeah <laughs> the village guy, people were very much in attendance the guy that um turns up when Rhonda's in the the, the wheelchair taxi driver. the taxi oh, driver yeah and it, it, he's I love that little look that he gives her yeah like and looks her up and down yeah yeah and she's like yep. <laughs> yeah, and I really, I really like that, and how that fed into obviously Rhonda's um, history. I, I also Rhonda is just such a great character She's in this, great. and I love the fact that when they, she first gets um, the the tumor and she finds out it's cancer diagnosis, but she asks, "Is this something you can get from having too much sex?" <laughs> yeah, I also love the fact that she was just like, "Oh, it's a tumor." Okay, wait a minute, this is cancer. Mm. I'm kind of not surprised though, because that is what happens when those when you have those conversations in hospital, um, doctors use certain terms sometimes and, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That, and then they're like, oh, yeah. And then they refer to it as something else and you're like, oh, wait, what? What? Mm. This That's the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah. It could also just be that, you know, she's young, footloose and fancy free. She's mm. not thinking about cancer. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden to be shown you have cancer and she's wor- she has that thing of the image. She's worried about her hair's going to fall out and she has to eat all the weird food. Yeah. And um, the the doctor's like, no, 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 you're just probably going to have to go through physiotherapy, which is much worse, uh, yeah. essentially. Um, and Rhonda's progression through this film of like having that independence taken away from her <sighs> and then having to go back with her mother in pauper spit and like yeah. being physically Well, they need each other, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> Rhonda needs um, Muriel hmm. in order to like live that carefree, fancy-free life yeah. that she had before, mm. and Muriel needs Rhonda in order so that she doesn't essentially regress back to the way she was now before. Keep her mm. out of her to shell. keep her out of her shell and to stop her becoming like like her mom. Yeah, mm. and also just so that her life is as good as Dancing Queen. Yeah. yeah, because I loved that line. Yeah. Oh my god, when she was like, "My life's as good as Dancing Queen now." I, oh, I melted. I yeah. was loving it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's just. Ultimately, it's a really lovely film. It is. It is. It is tremendously lovely. There's some really heartfelt messages in there, but it's also it throws in a couple of gut punches. Um, like like the performance of um of of Janine uh, Drynan who plays Betty is sensational just this broken person who gets more broken as the film goes on to the point where she commits suicide um and like that that outburst at her son after bill has said that he's leaving her yeah telling him to get up and do it it, it's too late it's Mm. you know but she's just lashing out and it's heartbreaking it reminded me of have you guys seen american beauty i have not well Maybe that's one for the cinema catch-up. <laughs> I'll write it down. But there is, like, the mother character in that is, like, essentially another foreshadowing for Kevin Spacey's character. Like, this is what could happen to you right. if you do not take the necessary actions in order to, like, fulfil your potential. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I love that character because... In a way, we're seeing a lot of um, discussions around feminism within this story through a whole bunch of different characters. Mm. You've got the 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 young women who who are like fighting against each other 
for this image and this um, idea of, you know... The being married. Being married, how that's the thing. And she's like when they're at the restaurant um, and saying, oh, I'm a bride. I'm supposed to be, what was it, exuberant or something like that. I'm supposed to be mm. so happy because I'm a bride. All this pressure that is put on all these different women mm. for different parts of their life, um, which is just a load of crap. It also shows how the characters have changed, especially at the end when mm. Muriel and uh, Rachel Rhonda. Griffith's character, the name I keep forgetting, Rhonda, mm. are like getting out of there. And she runs, uh, one of these like mean girls runs out of the house and is like, but I'm married and I'm hot. <laughs> and they just start laughing. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. like a real clear yeah. focused yeah. point of and the movie And then we there. have that moment of um, Rhonda's mother going, but wh- what are you doing? How How can you leave? And she's like, Sorry, mum, I've, I've got to go. And that moment of the mum understanding, yes, you do need to go, and I'm happy for you, yeah. and you are yeah. going to, you're going to be okay. Yeah, you still get to have that independence that you obviously yeah. crave. Um, and I was happy to see that, that mm. even though her mum was a bit cruel to her at the wedding. Um, they they're clearly not the most functional of parent child relationships. I think also just anything that is said to Rhonda hmm. by anyone other than Muriel after she's wheelchair bound yeah. is just very like typical of what people say to hmm. people who have become wheelchair bound or have become disabled hmm. um, through you know disease or accident or whatever. Hmm. Um, there is this idea that oh you poor thing you look you so full of life you look so full of life and she's like. I'm not as, dead. as Rhonda says, she's mm. not dead. Mm. And just that, that narrative, which is, is I think, still quite prevalent for people with disabilities. Mm. And, the, yeah, they're still fighting against that. Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous film. And I, I can see now, obviously it's 25 years on since it's released, but I can see why it has become such an, an important part of like Australia's mm. film history. It, 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 it is a really well-told story and... Um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Would you guys like some trivia about yeah. uh, Muriel's Always. wedding? Excellent. So this uh, trivia is combed from the ever-reliable pages of IMDb. What does that stand for? Uh, I'm database. making D's bills. There we go. Internet yeah. movie database. Oh, okay. All that. I'm going to go with Stephen's one. It seems more <laughs> likely. Yeah. Spelt D-E-E-Z. Like D's nuts. Yeah, D's Great. nuts. Yeah. Uh, so Tony Collette did gain those £40 pounds, uh, in seven weeks. She had to consult a dietitian to help gain that weight mm. in a way that she could then lose it. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was such an important part for that kind of natural look as you were saying and like and also i like when she goes to the on the date with bryce and she's wearing all that leather <laughs> and she takes off the coat and it's kind of like no actually that makes sense in terms of like it was a good look for that figure mm. I, I at least I, I felt it was like yeah it's good it's good it accentuates uh the the, the bottom which was kind of a big thing in like 90s fashion at that time and Steven, yes it still is is it yes. i've not kept up i'm yes. sorry <laughs> some people like big butts and they can't lie about it indeed no. that's what uh certain knighted mix a lot yes anyway. <laughs> yes knight of the realm yeah uh sir mix a lot 
the writer and director of this film, PJ Hogan, uh, wanted to use the ABBA music as part of this film. At first, permission for the music uh, to be used was denied. When the director promised to fly to Europe to plead his case to the founders of the band, permission was granted, as long as the band received a percentage of the film's profits. The film turned out to be a big international hit and thus helped inspire the Broadway show that would become... Mamma Mia. See, that amazes me that without this cheesy Australian film, Mamma mm. Mia would not exist. I'm trying to work out if this is a tragedy or whether you're celebrating it. Well, well if the feeling's I gone work... and you can't go on, it's tragedy. I, That's true. I, I work in the theatre. I just recently, like, when Mamma Mia did its run here, I helped, I got work on the bump out. So I'm, I'm definitely cheering because it got work for me. True. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I love ABBA, by the way. Oh, SOS ABBA is great. so good. And it's it's interesting because last year, Katrina, obviously, yeah. we did Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah. Um, big ABBA theme in there, too. Yeah. ABBA. Let's go random. We'll all name our three, top three ABBA songs. We'll start with you, Katrina. See, I'm not a big ABBA fan. Like, I enjoy it if it comes <sighs> on at a place. Just off? wait, just wait, <laughs> just wait. But I found out, okay, my mum is not a big music person. There are three bands that I can definitely say that she likes. And as a kid, she all the all her records had she had was ABBA. She now also likes Human Nature, um, oh, Savage Garden, and the Cause. So she's got one out of three, ladies. One out of four, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Uh, my top three ABBA songs are SOS. Great. Uh, Does your mother know? Oh yeah. I just think it's funky. It's a bit silly. Uh, it's a good one to dance to. I do like that one in the Mamma Mia film. And it's it's tricky. I think that the other one will be Take a Chance on Me. Oh. Yeah. It's hard to pick a top three. It is. They are. What are yours? Here's my top three. In no particular order, it goes Knowing Me, Knowing You. Ah, uh, uh, there is nothing uh-huh. we can do. It's a great do. song. It is. Um, I also love SOS. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. And I also love um, Voulez-Vous. Mm. I think I could uh-huh. dance to Voulez-Vous yeah. like all night long. Not that I also don't love Chikatita, not mm. that I don't love Dancing Queen, yeah. but those are my top three ABBA songs. Excellent. See, I will, like, if they are played, I will get up and dance to them. Mm. I will sing along to them in the car. I just, I'm not a, I'm not a big person for favourite songs. It's very rare when I say, this is my favourite song. What's mm. a song that you think you could listen to forever? <sighs> Andrew Sisters, um, Bugle Boy. Wow. Yep, yep. <laughs> I did not expect that as an answer. Yep. Like, boggy, boggy, boogle boy. Or, or, or anything by Ella Fitzgerald or oh. Ella Simone. Uh, Ella Simone, Nina Simone. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good Those are both good. Yeah. I love a bit of Etta James as well. She's got some beautiful stuff. Yeah. Have you heard, like, Damn Your Eyes and mm. God's Song? Mm. Brackets, that's why I love mankind. I mean, we are going a little off track, but I am just going to throw out Billie Holiday. Oh, Would be mine. He's one of my favourites. <laughs> Certainly. I can't get enough of him. Mm. Uh, but speaking of Priscilla, uh, mm. Bill Hunter, who was playing Bill Heslop in this film, uh, was also working on Priscilla at the same time. Oh, wow. Mm. So he was... Um, Very kind of flipped character. Yeah. He, um, he It required him to have different length hair, a different type of beard, and be in different parts of the country. Now that's acting. Yeah. And yeah. on both of them, he'd be like, oh, these ABBA songs, <laughs> they're following me everywhere. No, in Priscilla, he liked them. That's true. That's true, but he, he that was just what you think he'd get confused. It was just Terence Stamp that was like, No, yeah. I think Abba, you're terrible, Priscilla. Like, did he ever say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, the photographs in the Haslop family album are actual childhood photographs of the actors who portray the family. By the way, what? when they open that album and, like, all of um, uh, the articles. Muriel's articles are on top, and then it reveals just, like, a photo of her mum mm. in just, like, that state of, like... Just happiness, like, like mum happiness. Twisted. That, yeah. like, I feel like I like I've seen that photo of my own mum, yeah, somewhere else yeah. at like a family reunion or yeah. whatever. Like I said, there are so it's been, she's been buried under murials. Yeah, there are so many aspects of the of the characters of of Muriel herself that I'm like, yep, that's my family. That's my family. That's me. Yeah, that's like she is just. She is just quintessentially Australian. Well, hmm. one type of Australian. The other thing I'll say, maybe the reason why we keep saying it's quintessentially Australian, is that it it, it has such like specificity. Hmm. Like I can't identify with everything in the movie, but through that, spe- it's like that classic thing. Through that specificity, they found like a true universality. Yeah. yeah. And I I don't know, but I imagine American families and British families look at parts of this movie and go, oh, that's like. It's like here. Yeah, I, I get mean, this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 got a different dressing on it. It's got a different yeah. context, but you you do see certain things like when one of the adult kids is running around kicking the milk carton in the garden, yeah. pretending he's playing uh, footy. AFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I can relate to that. I've yeah. seen like I've done that, and I've seen like my brothers or or sister mm. do that um, with different sports, and it's like you do make those connections, as you say, or even just um, Bill saying to the youngest kid saying, "Oh." go get me a cup of tea. And then she runs in and yells to mom, yells yeah. to the mom, get dad a cup of tea. Like that sort of just transference. I'm like, that has happened in my family yeah, so many yeah. times. Yeah, 100%. Um, the French trailer for this film ends with the tagline, En fin, un film qui frôle les bon goûts sans jamais y tromber, which uh, translates into, at last a movie that comes close to good taste but never gets into it. <laughs> That might be the perfect description of this movie. I don't think it ever gets close to good taste. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I love it. It doesn't have to. Oh no 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 mm. no! It's a classic highbrow lowbrow movie. Um, one of this film's biggest fans is the director Ridley Scott. Really? Wow. Yeah. So Ridley Scott lists Muriel's Wedding as one of his favourite films. Does he say why? Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something about those uh, the bridal party that reminds him of the aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It inspired aliens. Yeah, it did. He went, hang on a second. Yeah, I've got something from this. He saw this, saw the infighting and went, I'm going to make Gladiator. This, <laughs> this feels appropriate. Um, the video store where Muriel works has a poster for the movie Strictly Ballroom on the wall. Oh, I did oh, not cool. notice that. Can I give you a fun Gladiator fact? You know what? We Do it. That, that episode was about 50 episodes ago. Oh, so brilliant. Addendum. Here's a fun Gladiator fact I learned the other day. Nick Cave wrote a sequel to Gladiator. Really? Where um, Russell Crowe's character was brought back to life via a Christian martyr. Okay. That's uh, it. That's oh, my fun fact. Oh, my God. And it was never made, obviously. But yeah. he wrote a, like, a script for it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Uh, for p- people who like Gladiator, just add that to the end think of it's that a, well, I think it's also just a good Nick Cave fact. Mm. Um. The yeah, so the video store had a had a mm. poster of Strictly Ballroom, which again maybe helps with cementing that that image. I'm just trying to think if Strictly Ballroom came out before this or around the same. It time. It did. It came out ninety two, oh, so okay. it's yeah, a couple of years before. Yeah. Bill Hunter is in that film as well, uh, as as he was Bill in most Hunter. Australian films. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, he's a very, very common ubiquitous. feature. Ubiquitous. Mm. Mm. And the final bit of trivia we have, PJ Hogan, writer-director, based Muriel's personality on himself, but Muriel's actions were inspired by his sister. His sister embezzled $15,000 from their father and then disappeared to Sydney to live with a friend. Oh, wow. So it's a real-life story in some wow. respects. The film does take enormous narrative leaps at certain points which i find really admirable and lovely like there is that point where she like gets into the taxi and goes away and then it almost like hard cuts to her she's got a new haircut Mm. she's got a job like it's you're almost looking at a brand new muriel Mm. and it kind of does that just like a couple of times in the movies where it just hard cuts to like quite a little while later to be fair at least in that in that sort of scenario when she's first getting to Sydney, I don't think it needs any more than that. Oh, no, no, no. I, I agree. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I think it works so well as a film. Because mm. what film allows you to do is tell big stories in a short time. Actually, are the other hard cuts you're talking about when it introduces sort of the next act? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, and having those title cards like Sydney City of Brides or mm. Mariel's Wedding and things like that. Yeah. It, was, it was just a little touch, but it was nice. It did... Allow you to go, okay, there's been a little bit of passage of Chapters time. Chapters yeah, of her story. There's a shift. Yeah, re- resetting the board a little bit. Mm. Um, so that brings us to the end of this podcast. All that remains is to <laughs> score the film. So, Geordie, at the end of each episode, we give the film a score out of 10, uh, with one being your terrible Muriel's Wedding, <laughs> 10 being your great. Um, now, it's, as you're new, we'll remind everyone who's listening at home that these scores aren't necessarily, you know, indicative of you must or mustn't see this film it's just more to reflect our own personal taste so katrina as you've done this before we'll let you go first what score would you give muriel's wedding out of 10 because this is a film that i went when i went to when i lived in the uk for a little bit i i brought a number of australian films with me to like say here this is australian culture that i'm proud of um and this was one of and this was one of the films that i took with me so for that i'm giving it and it hasn't changed actually for Mm. me and for that i'm giving it eight and a half um fake debt like comatose sister stories so you can get get pictures of wedding dresses yeah i (laughs) I did love that whole sequence Mm. where she was like especially that first one where she first lies about Mm. having mm, her mum's in her mum's in hospital yeah Yeah. with a tumor yeah and she just for a moment gets to live her fantasy and the woman brings the lily and like starts taking photos. I thought that whole sequence was so beautiful. It was really lovely. And yeah. then how they tied it back into her pathological lying. It's was interesting great. that the lying kind of doesn't, it. she does like, that was another, do you know what? That's another thing that like Bill Heslop says a few times is you reap what you sow. Mm. That feels like a real theme in the movie as well. Mm. Like mm. you get what you give yeah. essentially. And Muriel's such a kind person and mm. so generous that even though she lies, she never really, you know, like retribution never really follows yeah. her. But for her I mean, lies. she she is paying back that money that she stole, and I think that's an oh, important yeah. thing. Mm. Like, like she is still having to work that off and atone for that in that sense. But I I agree that because we empathise with her and because her actions, on the most part, are quite. Um, they don't har- they, they, they don't they, massively harm well, anyone. No. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I agree. Whereas, yeah. Whereas I think with it's nice. Bill. He does. Like, yeah. The reason why I, I was realizing the reason why all of his kids are useless is because he's been telling them again and again. And like They're if useless. you, yeah, if you tell people that, they are going to become useless. Mm. There's that really sad scene at the beginning where 
it's Muriel and Rhonda kind of sitting after the ABBA concert. Mm. And she just kind of asks, like, do you ever feel like nothing? Mm. And it's, like, heartbreaking Mm. to see that after this amazing experience, she realises just how awful she's felt for quite a while. And I think that scene also says something about Rhonda in the fact that she says, oh, no, you're, you're with someone, you're getting married, you're, you've made it. Yeah. And so there is actually a bit of a journey for Rhonda to go on to as well because she's still, she's bought into the story of um, to be someone, you have to be married. Yeah. But in her case, she's like, to be someone, I have to be, you know, out sleeping with a lot of guys. And so for the, by the end of it, it's both of them that have realised together they can be more and they can realise their a greater existence. The film never um the film also never chastises Rhonda for sleeping with a lot of men either. No. Which, which is, is which is great. Yeah. It's mm. never like a point of contention. Yeah. Or like spoken poorly about within the context of like yeah. the film's yeah, the, point the, of view. The only people that get chastised for their sexual activities are the are the um the, the mean girls, the who are cheating and yeah, lying to where each one of, other. Where, where it's like, but he sucked your husband's cock. Yes, but then I sucked, sucked her husband's cock, cock and, and I realised how bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, that we all make mistakes. Yeah, we yeah. all make mistakes. And I think the, the difference there is Rhonda's doing it... She's not, not lying. She's she, not being she's dishonest. Not, yeah, she's, or like... she's, very, she's very open and truthful about why she's sleeping around. And she pro- I'd imagine she'd be like saying to the guys, by the way, you're not the only one that I'm sleeping around with. If you have a problem with that, she has here's a the door. Well, I also think, like, th- very specifically making those two men sailors, I think is very much code for they're cool with it. I, you know, it's it's that thing of, you know, they're on shore leave. They're gay. What? They're not. <laughs> we heard. They are, well, they're, the, they're at the very least. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Although, that said, we didn't see what was happening in there. She could have no, just been cheering, she she been cheering them on. She could have been cheering them on. She could have been pleasuring herself while watching them go at it. We mm. just is this normal for the Cinema Catch Up podcast? Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> look, some look, sometimes we, we get into sexual discussions and that's normally when I remember that my mum listens to this. So <laughs> hi mum, we're talking about sailors hi, having mom. sex. Uh Geordie, what score would you give Muriel's wedding out of ten? Uh I'd give it do we have to give it a unit as well? Well, we sometimes make up the unit. Okay, great. I like to, I'm fun. going to give this one. I'm also, I think, yeah, somewhere like an eight and a half. Oh, let's be generous because I had such a good time with it. Let's go nine out of ten um, f- fake, uh, like, photo albums. We're going to go nine out of ten photo albums. Of just you wearing a wedding dress. Yeah, it's me wearing a wedding dress. It's me in different wedding dresses. Some of them look good, some of them look bad. But my mum's going to see all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Once she gets out of that coma. Yeah. Yeah. Mum, we get it. <laughs> Stop being dramatic. Get out of the coma. Uh, uh, for me, I, I have to agree. I really enjoyed this film. And it was one of those where, um, as we were getting ready to watch it, I was suspecting I'm probably going to like it because the previous track record of... I'd, I'd heard similar things about Strictly Ballroom and The mm. Castle and really enjoyed those films. And I think this is the same for me. Uh, I, I'd give it eight and a half uh, admissions that I'm a parking inspector out of ten. <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> can, yeah. Can I just, like, I, did I just say, oh, both of you heard, but I'm like, that is a genuine thing that if, if my partner had someone say that to him, he'd be like, nah, out of here. Wow. Out of here. Because everybody hates parking inspectors. Mm. I love that that's like his little secret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a parking inspector. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence, unzipping the beanbag, Muriel obviously not having had sex before, I screaming laugh. with laughter. It's so 
and the sailors thinking that he was attacking her, and then and they're laughing even more because they're out there naked. So many yeah. like major like phallic and like mm-hmm. ejaculatory symbols throughout that whole yeah. scene. As and then well. the bird just going out the window, and nobody really caring about bird that. going out the window. Oh, was it a bird? I thought it was, it was a bird cage. Bird it was ca- a bird cage filled yeah. with dinosaurs. Oh, that was okay then, because I wasn't yeah. sure they'd never addressed it. And I thought it's funny they're not talking about that budgie that just <laughs> got killed. But then also like all of the bits of white all yeah. over everything. It almost looks like it's snowing. Yeah, um, I really loved how those little um, the beads. polystyrene beads yeah. were still there when she was doing the wedding album yeah. the next day. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling though that it wasn't particularly symbolic. It was just like let's make this as funny as we can. Yeah, and as we ludicrous must read into all of the text. That's mm. what postmodernism tells us. Everything is text. Usually Australian films shit on that. That's true. At least of this era. <laughs> the medium is the message, everybody. Uh, once Marshall we get McLuhan would tell Once us we that. get to the early 2000s, then it's like read into <laughs> everything. Mm. But for now, just enjoy yeah. a really fun film. Uh, I've, I've had a great time. And Geordie and Katrina, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you so much for having Thanks, me, Stephen. Stephen. It's been a true joy. Excellent. And for those of you listening at home, uh, you can join in the joy by finding us on Facebook. You can leave suggestions for films that we should be watching next or just generally liking the page. Find us by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. We're also available on iTunes or SoundCloud or other podcasting and podcatching services, so make sure you're subscribed there for a fresh episode each and every week. And of course, there is our Patreon. You can become an exclusive member of the club and get some bonus content. Just go to patreon.com forward slash... CCUC some podcast. exclusive content I could get, Stephen? Well, uh, actually, just recently, up on the page, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was the second episode of The Cutting Room Floor. It's oh. a supplementary um, podcast where, basically, I sometimes edit bits out of these podcasts for time purposes, and those conversations, I'm like, oh, it's a waste, though. This is a really great 10-minute conversation. Where can I put it? I put them together every couple of months and release them as kind of like just like bonus content. And that's, yeah, deleted scenes. Yeah, it's Patreon exclusive. And in the most recent one, um, there is our discussion, Katrina, of the Superman theme and how it sounds like the Indiana yeah. Jones theme and the Star Wars theme. Yeah. Uh, I also interview a baby about Pan's Labyrinth. Um, so <laughs> the baby think of it about the um, yeah. post-war Spanish... Um, it's metaphor. Not, it's not post-war. Yeah, it's, it's during right the, in the war. Middle of the war. I thought it was like a. No. I haven't seen that. She movie. made that mistake as well. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, she was eight months it's, old. I'm pretty sure it's pre-World War Two. I thought was it was it? a big metaphor for the war. Maybe I'm no, wrong. No, because mm. it's happening during the Civil War, the Spanish oh. Civil War. Point being, if you want that extra content, dear listener, just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and become a member. That and some other goodies too. But that's all for this week. So until next time. You're terrible, Muriel. You're terrible, Muriel. Terrible. No, you're terrible, Muriel. Fade it down. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.